from the Allopathic Studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA, it is time for another plant-killing episode of Chemical-Free Horticultural Hijinks. You bet your garden. I'm your host, Mike McGrath. Everybody knows that the roots of a black walnut tree are tomato kryptonite. But did you know that sunflowers can have the same effect? On today's show, we'll discuss four bad actors in the plant versus plant survival struggle. Otherwise, it's a fabulous phone call show. Cats and kittens, yes, potential guests are busy burning their bird feeders. So we will take that heap and helping of your telecommunicated questions, comments, tips, tricks, suggestions, and impishly inappropriate implications. So keep your eyes and or ears right here, true believers, because it's all coming up faster than garlic mustard in your mushroom patch. Right after this. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Welcome back to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am still... Your host, Mike McGrath, probably because the people upstairs don't actually watch the show. And we got a bowl full of goodies for you guys today. What does that mean? Anyway, we're going to talk about allopathic plants. There's more of them out there than you know. And if your plants are dying, you could be finding out why. Plus, of course, lots of your fabulous phone call questions, comments, tips, tricks, etc., but first, I finally found, as I was cleaning out my overcrowded office, a book that I've been claiming existed to you for years and years. You probably didn't believe me. But now it's true. The book is Microcosmos, and it is a companion volume to a fabulous film that was released around 1996. And it has these amazing close-up photos of the most interesting insects. Um, the book is called Microcosmos. It was published by the fabulous art book company Stuart, Tabori, and Chang. And if you can find a copy, grab it. If you can find multiple copies, give them out as gifts. Um, it is, I'm so glad to have found it. I'm almost down. I'm almost down the floor in my office. So, um, let's keep hoping that I will find even more treasures as opposed to old potato chip wrappers. Phone calls? Do we take phone calls on this show? I thought I was just going to pick them. Okay. 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 888-492-9444. Barbara, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Thank you, Mike. It's nice to talk to you. It's nice to talk to you, Barb. How are you doing? I'm doing well enough. And yourself? <laughs> I'm just ducky. Thanks for asking. Um, all right. Where's Barbara? I'm just a bit east of Oklahoma City. Oh, okay. Boy, I, I love the listeners out there. I can't wait till this nonsense is over and I can travel again. All right. <laughs> Me too. Weird. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what can we do for Barb uh, right near OKC? You might remember that we had that horrible deep freeze back in February. 
Right. You were talking to somebody on the phone on one of the questions, and the one thing that you said to them that I can remember very clearly was just don't do anything. Don't do anything. Right. Because we were assuming that, or you were assuming that the leaves would come back on whatever it was that he had. I was not assuming anything. But <laughs> over over the years, I have learned that when something like this strikes, it is very important for gardeners to do one of the most important acts in gardening, which is nothing. Pruning it or feeding it at that time of year would not do any good and could do a lot of harm. And if the plant doesn't come back in the spring, well, then it was already dead, you know, and and you replace it. You know, it's like the Disney circle of life or something. That's, so that's what's true, but I always believe you. Whatever you say. <laughs> okay. Good. I like that. <clears throat> Where were girls <laughs> like be. you when I was in high school? All right. So I believed you. I didn't do anything at all. Right. I just left the, the I had like, I always called them my two hollies in front of my house on the east side of my house. Right. And I did nothing. And so finally, I was so excited. Little tiny leaves and buds started coming out of the little bare twigs. Right. I was thrilled. I was singing your praises, of course. Mm -hmm. And I was so happy. And then all of a sudden, within a week or two of that, every single one of the new buds died. Everyone, every little leaf, every little bud, everything. Did you, turned you know, hollies are traditionally very hardy, um, especially where you live. Uh, did you do anything yeah. then? Did you try to feed them, try to mulch them? Did it get freezing again? No. No, it did not freeze after the buds started to appear. And they are usually hardy, but it was like minus 12 degrees. That had never happened here before. And I've had these little hollies, you know, for 20-some years. Yeah. No, it's a crazy world. We're all going to be living in domes 10 years from now. So what's the situation now? You got uh, two apparently dead plants? Well, part of the holly, the actual holly, not all of it died, just Mm -hmm. all those limbs that were farther out. Okay. Those that were close into the house were okay, that all those that were farther out that had makes, died. That makes then, perfect sense because they were more exposed. Sure. Right. Okay. But I just wasn't sure about these others. The, the little limbs, the little leaves started to come back, and then they all died. I assumed that it was the people just to the north of me spraying their yard because the oh. people around here really believe in pesticides and herbicides and fertilizers and anything they can possibly it's like it's like they believe that life is better through chemistry but not like it was when i was in college (laughs) toxic neighbors are one of the biggest problems um if this happens again and you suspect that it is runoff or pesticide drift um first i would contact your local epa office Every region has a regional EPA office. Mine in Pennsylvania is number five. Um, But they are not allowed to allow their chemicals to get to your property. So I would at least report your suspicions. They might well come out and take soil samples and look for herbicides. If you really think it was something like that, the best response is to just soak the soil repeatedly. Try to dilute it. Try to get it out of the root system. Now, I'm going to predict that next spring, 
you're going to see good growth. Do you feed these hollies no. any anything? Do you mulch them? What's no. going on? No? Nope. I don't do anything. I live in a, like, it was part of the river floodplain, so I'm one of the few people in Oklahoma that actually has, like, nice soil. Okay, good, good. Um, you, at this point, yeah, at this point in time, fall going into winter, I really don't want you to touch them, if you trust me. What I want you to do is um, you can put some compost around them if you have it or if it's available. I know there used to be a great natural uh, products garden center in the city. That was ages ago, so I don't know what it's status is now, but I would uh, Mm -hmm. get some good compost, spread it around the base of the plants. And I know I hear all of you out there, compost, that's the only answer this guy has. (laughs) And I would also get, and I know Espoma, the people who make Hollytone have been underwriting the show for longer than I can remember, but Hollytone, you know, their most famous product is absolutely what's called for in this situation, but not now, because you never want to feed a dormant plant. But in the spring, you're going to see new growth, I predict. And then I would put the hollytone down. And as with all granulated fertilizers, um, you want to cover it with soil or compost. And then um, after new growth appears and you see the branches that are really most sincerely dead, you can prune those off. And in the early spring, you can prune the plants for shape. You know, once they get their health back, you can take them down to almost a stump and they will regrow. They won't look good for a couple of years, but they will regrow. All right? Yes, not doing anything at all is is probably one of my better things. Oh, I was going to say for most people, it's incredibly difficult. I have to save it. (laughs) Well... That was my original thought when you said not to do anything yeah. and it came back. And no, it's, it's like back. a mother who lets go of her child's hand. The child puts one step into the street and she yanks him back so hard he breaks his arm, you know. <laughs> yeah, that was me. It is one of the hardest lessons to learn in gardening, um, but it's almost never wrong. All right. What else you got? Well, I thought it was a holly, but it was actually a different thing, Euonymus. Oh, Euronymus. And it was variegated. Yeah. It was called Euronymus. Okay. And it was variegated, and it and it completely died. It, I mean, it died back. There was no leaves at all. But okay. then I started getting sprouts up out of the ground. Yeah. And it looks like the same leaves, but it's not variegated anymore. Yeah. So can I say that it's a Euonymus? All right. Listen. Okay. I'm listen, Barb. Uh, we can't get into that now. Okay. Um, you know, we're, we're running out of time. So I'm going to ask you to put that second question on hold and we're going to finish up because you do have hollies, right? I do have. Yes. That was the big one that everything died. Okay. All right. The other one never came. Good. So what we're going to do is I'm going to wish you good luck and we're going to say goodbye and send me an email, uh, with the anonymous question. Okay. Okay. Okay, and I wait until next spring to prune. Yes. It'll be good. Yes. That's You're a rule hero. for anything right now. Okay? Okay. okay. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much. Um, You're my, always so helpful. My pleasure. Good luck to you. Say hi to all my friends in Oklahoma, <laughs> and uh, bye-bye. Bye. 
Hi, cats and kittens. I'm here to confess that I goofed up big time a couple of weeks ago. A guy with a too tall house plant wanted to know how to reduce it in size. And I correctly suggested air layering, which means you scrape off the bark in a complete circle somewhere along the trunk. You wrap sphagnum moss around that, not the peat moss we accidentally showed you on the TV show. And then you cover that with plastic and keep it moist. If you're lucky, within a month or two, new roots will come out from this air-layered graft. When the roots get big enough, you cut it off below the root system and plant that as a new plant. You can make it half the size of the old one. I mistakenly said the top was going to die off and, uh, you know, sunspots, weather balloons, something. I have no other explanation. Little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs. Little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs. Little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs. Little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug. One little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug. One little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug. One little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug. Charles, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Thank you so much for taking my call. Where is Charlie? I am in Nashville, Tennessee. Excellent, excellent. What can we do you for? I am hoping you might be able to help me with some uh, damage control with my wife. About a month ago, I was working in my garden and I was weeding one of my large planters that has one of my tomato plants. And I pulled up a large, like strange looking leaf Mm -hmm. and it happened to be attached to uh, a large root that um, long and short of it, it turns out my wife had saved this, this, this peony plant from um, a construction site that had mowed down all the other peony plants. Um, and so I pulled up this root mm-hmm. and, and, and panicked. And um, the moment I mo- realized what I did, and I put it in its own plant, our own pot with uh, its own soil, but it's, it's um, and added about an inch or so of compost directly from our compost pile uh, from the very bottom. And I am hoping to do what I can to nurse this peony root to uh to health and undo my damage she neglected to tell you that she had um smuggled this pirate's chest into your tomato plant (laughs) yes i predict nothing but good things um but not immediate good things um i don't want you to try to force it or do anything like that um as you're well aware peonies are herbaceous perennials all the above ground growth dies and then it comes out um, from the ground when it's ready to get ready to bloom so the most important thing i'm glad you put it in a dedicated pot label the pot leave the pot outside and then when we get into the fall i think the smartest thing would be to simply bury the pot 
up to around the rim. That'll give it some insulation down below. And with any luck, well, no, with no luck whatsoever, you'll get leaves in the spring. If you have a lot of luck, you may get a flower or two. And leave okay. those flowers alone. Make sure they get fed and watered. And uh, by the year after that, you'll get your real peony plant back again. Okay. Okay. Love it. All right. We got to oh, go. Just, thank you so much. Great talking to you, man. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and announce that we have finally reached the proper time to plant spring bulbs like tulips, daffodils, and crocuses in our beds. But don't go looking for your little lost trowel just yet, because we'll be right back with plants of fatal instinct and more of your fabulous phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media. Where else? in Bethlehem, PA. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Welcome back to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media, not private media, public media in Bethlehem, PA, not the other Bethlehem. I'm your host, Mike McGrath, and coming up later on the show, we'll talk about some of the plants that survive and evolve by beating down other plants. It's called alleopathy, and we'll tell you all about it after more of your fabulous phone calls at 888-492-9444. Ed, welcome to You Bet Your yes, Garden. Sir. How are you today? I am just ducky. Ducky is back to wearing his mask again. He's not happy about that, but we have to be protective. How are you, Ed? We are here in Colorado, raising a lot of food. Got some questions to ask today. All right. What part of Colorado? I love Colorado. We were over by um, Hotchkiss, Colorado. Yeah, sure. I know where that is. Come on, Ed. Help me out. Delta, Delta, uh, Grand Junction. That area? Well, okay. So, first of all, are you anywhere near Denver? No. Are you anywhere near Colorado Springs? No. Are you anywhere near Cortez or Durango? We are. Oh, okay. Um, I spent. We're actually 25 miles from Telluride. Oh, okay, great. I spent a fabulous time. Uh, there's an old historic theater in, um, <laughs> oh, God, uh, Cortez. Um, that I gave a talk about, uh, uh, you know, dry gardening, you know, how to get over the oh. the problems and stayed mm -hmm. stayed with our hosts. They had a guest house up in the mountains and we were at, at, at 7000 feet the whole time, as you probably know. And uh, we took Correct. we took the train at Durango up to the old silver mm -hmm. mine. 
And what a cute, yeah. what a cute little town. What a great ride. I mean, there, you know, oh, and we got to see the old, um, the Native American caves with the steps and everything like that, the cliff right. dwellers. Oh, right. fabulous, fabulous Beautiful. place. Yeah. All right. So what can we do for Ed? Well, Ed has a, a business. I, I, I run a dump truck and I farm and I have an excavator and stuff like that. And I have a friend of mine that has been raising fish, trout, mm-hmm. in a concrete run. Well, the yeah. run's probably 250 foot long, probably eight foot wide and six foot deep. Now, you say there's trout in there, um, and this is all exposed, right? This is out in the open. It is. Doesn't he have any problem uh, with predators like raccoons and fish-eating birds? Well, yeah, of course there is. Have you ever heard of mylar, Ted? Yeah, oh, yeah, sure. Bird, uh, uh, bird flash scare, something like that. Works, works, works great. Huh, that's great. Probably one of the best products, probably one of the best products on the market for any kind of, for gardeners. And, and you know, uh, we used to put hot wire around our garden. Uh-huh. Our garden's five, our garden's five acres. Yeah. So, you know, and we did it every year. We put hot wire up, hot wire up. My wife, one day, she says, you know, we should try this Mylar tape. Yeah. This was two years ago. Bird scare flash tape, right? Correct. Yeah. I used... But it does not just work for birds. It works for deer and bears and, and raccoons and you name it. Yeah, yeah, we almost met a bear while we were uh, <laughs> staying at our guest house. Um, we should tell people that bird scare flash tape um, is highly reflective. So when you get a little bit of wind, it flips and it cracks and it reflects all these different colors of the rainbow. It even whistles in certain kinds of Wind, so it's not something yes, the animals can get used to. Not really, and it even works in the dark. People go, "Oh, how does it work at night?" It definitely works at night too. Oh, Ed, you uh, don't have and, night. And a lot of that is a- you don't have night out there. Uh, Diane and I, <laughs> no, we, uh, we just stepped outside every night and just soaked in the Within stars. Awe. Oh. Oh, it's beautiful. It's it, probably the, it's beautiful. Yeah, but the next morning, one of our hosts came up and said, "Hey, did you see the bear last night?" Yeah, yeah. We have bears constantly. Oh Mount yeah. Lions, bears, and then he, and then he uh, walked we, us over about fifty feet and showed us the poop. Yeah, yeah, the scat. It's yeah, which scat. we luckily were not in. Okay. Correct. So, your friend has so this. So where I'm. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, where, well, where I'm at is that I clean I clean these runs out. Now he had taken the fish out. Uh, he sells the fish. He fly, they're about twelve to fourteen inches long when he does it. Mm-hmm. They bring a truck up. They they uh, pull the fish out. They flash freeze them right on the spot. Mm-hmm. And and they and he sells fish this way. Mm-hmm. And he has more than one run. He's got a half a dozen runs. So he said, he asked me. He says one day he says, can you come clean these runs out with your tractor? Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, well, yeah, I guess, you know. So I went over there and cleaned the fish poop out of these 
these runs. Now, these fish have been in there for almost a year. Mm-hmm. And he feeds them in there, you know. Mm-hmm. And the water circulates through there and everything. Well, I got uh, about five yards per hole of fish manure. Solid. Solid. Well, my well, friend, I, I think you're in you're in a new business. I think so. That's where I'm going with this. Yeah. But I don't know how to quite go about it yet. Well, I so. mean, uh, you know, social media should make that easier. Uh, I know from my appearances in Cortez that there are a lot of dedicated gardeners out there. And as you know, they struggle uh, to get enough dry brown material to compost. Um, True. So this is, it's not exactly worth its weight in gold, but, um, (laughs) you know, how hard is it for you to, I would think it would be easy to dry at your altitude. It is dry at this point. So I would pack it up and into one pound sacks of some kind, no plastic. Right. And offer it on social media that you got it there. Um, There must be farmer's markets in, I mean, all of these towns. I would assume you, yes. And I I would probably market more. I would like to market it more on the Internet. Well, then you're, now this is what I did. Go ahead. Because now we're talking about weight. Correct. So what I did is I took a PPP meter, a PPM meter, uh, and tested it. Mm-hmm. And I put two tablespoons, one cup, one, one cup. Well, we first we started with one teaspoon and one cup of water. Mm-hmm. And on a PP on a PP meter, it showed it to be at about. Uh, 180 parts per million. Okay. That would have been, that was just, now that would have been one teaspoon, teaspoon, right? And then, so, and then we added two teaspoons and it went up from there. And then we added three teaspoons and four teaspoons and so on. So what we're trying to figure out is the strength of the, of the fertilizer itself. You don't have to. Somebody told me. You don't oh, you have don't? to. No. Um, when these, really? yeah, I mean, first of all, you are an amateur right now. You're not selling kind of professionally. I think you bring, um, I think you bring these bags to the local farmer's market. Doesn't tell you ride. I mean, you could charge double there than you could in Durango. Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Um, set up a stand at a farmer's market locally grown fish poop. Absolutely uh, organic. Right? Just get paper it sacks. Is, it is. Get paper sacks, paper fill them up with a pound, and your instructions would be. Um, dilute it as much as you want. If you just need a light feeding, do this much. Um, uh, if you need a heavy so you... feeding, do this much. But ex- please experiment uh, with this product and get back to us with uh, what How works. You... But I guarantee it will so, work. Fish poop right. is one of the absolute best fertilizers you can find. There is something about 
fertilizer that is bred in water that makes it especially good for plants. And I would think because the people I was staying with, um, the woman there, she was amazing. She had two children, um, a third on the way. She had a full-time artist job, and she was gardening um, in this godforsaken place, 7,000 you know, feet in the air. And I can see um, even applying it as a dry material would be good if you actually ever had rain. But but you right, you right. don't so I w I would recommend it as a liquid drench, as a liquid drench, and that's what you'd put on the bag itself. Yeah yeah. Mix it as a liquid. Mix it as mix it as a liquid okay. drench. Um, try to establish a back and forth relationship. Um, excuse right. me. Uh, Facebook page for it and you, and you're off and a running. Facebook page for the for the the product oh. and for you. Okay, and for me. And See, we grow a lot. Uh, so I have a bed that I, that I did made out here. It's 18 inches deep, 36 inches wide, 50 foot long. I put, uh, I, I raised a, a radish, a, a rat, just a normal red radish mm -hmm. in there. Uh, I planted it on uh, the 1st of May. Okay. And by the 28th of May, they were golf ball size. Uh -huh. You know you're supposed at to pick them small, 60, though. 6,800. Yeah. I know, but at 6,800 feet, I did it. They grew in less than 28 days. Ed, the more pictures you can post on this Facebook site of your own garden, the better off you're going to do. But this is fabulous. Where I live in the Lehigh Valley, I live very close to one of the largest trout hatcheries um, in Pennsylvania. And, of course, this is a mammoth enterprise where they have everything from the fry to these gigantic trout that they release in streams all over Pennsylvania. And, sure. you know, now I got to go back and ask them because I know they clean the tanks out regularly. What are you doing with this stuff? Give it to me. Yeah, I would I would suggest if you do that. Now, uh, the government can't give that stuff away, though. Uh, what do you mean? We have a fish hatchery. Right. I don't think they can. I don't think you have to uh, somehow do something with it. But uh, but these people, I, it's a great idea. I don't know. I'm sure somebody's taking it from So. Ed, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, uh, to begin with, farmers markets and natural food stores, things like that. You got a lot of hippy dippy communities around you. Um, package it up, get it started, and I suspect it's going to take off. All right. All right. So I love, how would I? I love talking to you, but we are stone out of time now. So good luck. I appreciate it. Thank you. Tell us how you're doing, okay? I will. I will keep in touch. All right, sir. Good luck. Thank you, sir. Bluegrass calling me from the beginning.
big state of Kentucky to the heart of Tennessee, and then you move on down to the Grand Ole Opry. You can hear those fiddles and the Osborne brothers sing, now that's bluegrass calling me. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and warn everybody with tulip bulbs in the ground that these bulbs must be protected from mice, voles, and evil squirrels. Put sharp stones around the bulbs in each planting hole and then disguise their scent by spraying a castor oil-based mole and vole repellent on top or by mulching the bed with dog hair. Squirrels hate dogs, dogs hate squirrels. The hair will keep the evil squirrels away. But don't go brushing Bowser just yet, because we'll be right back with four bad plants and more of your fabulous phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Welcome back to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath, and 
We are in the stretch now, cats and kittens. In just a little bit, we'll get to the question of the week, identifying four of the most allopathic plants that you might find as the reason your other plants aren't growing. But first, a couple more of your fabulous phone calls at 888-492-9444. 888-492-9444. Josh, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hey, Mike, how's it going? It is going well, Josh. How are things going for you? Fantastic. I'm over here in sunny northeast Ohio uh, in the rubber city. Oh, Akron? Yes, sir. You got it. All right. What can we do for Josh in or near Akron, Ohio? Well, Mike, I was uh, working in my garden last week, emptying my compost bin and planting my hardneck garlic for the first time. Okay. And uh, I'm uh, looking at my maple tree, you know, thinking about the compost and everything. Yeah. And I remembered earlier in the year when I saw dark spots on the leaves and they've all lightened up. um, And I believe it's maple tar spot. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I'm wondering if those leaves are still safe to compost. First, I, I, I just have to say that some of these, quote, horticultural terms are absolutely ridiculous. Hello, Extension Service. I have tar spots on my maple. <laughs> oh, you have maple tar spot. That's what I said. It's a pretty innocuous condition. Um Many, well, let's say 10 years ago, I would have told people to not compost those leaves. Then we had a special show with Lee Reich, the pruning expert, and uh, the dirt doctor, Howard Garrett from Texas, and I think somebody else was here. And they all yelled at me because we had this kind of a phone call. And they said, absolutely compost them. How are you going to get the tree to stop if you don't inoculate it against this disease or condition. So, yes, they should go into the compost. Um, They really changed my mind about uh, what can go into the compost and can't because I was as guilty as some uh, garden writers of just uh, things that don't happen naturally. It's not part of my process. And I would say don't compost diseased plants or weeds that have gone to seed. Well, To some degree, I believe it could be better, could be more natural to compost those diseased plants. And then make sure you give that tree some of the resulting compost. And if you make good hot compost, you can throw the weed seeds in too, you know, because they will uh, be deactivated at temperatures 140 and above. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about it. I wouldn't think twice. Now, are you shredding your leaves well? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Okay. And you, and you said you didn't get your garlic in until October. Oh, that's true. Yeah, uh, it's a little late. In your climate, you're going to get bigger heads if you plant in early September. I know uh, okay. I know the old garden lore used to say plant on Columbus Day. Well, I don't think there is going to be a Columbus Day in a couple of years. So, oh, my God, <laughs> I don't know when to plant my garlic. I'm lost. <laughs> but... Uh, Garlic growers in the Poconos, uh, a very cold climate area, had uh, experimented with early plantings, and nothing went wrong and everything went well. They achieved bulbs that were huh. one-third bigger than if they had waited till October. Wow. So that's for next so early year. Early September for the garlic. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's for next awesome. year. You know, 
unless you get busy and you have excuses. Yeah. And, oh, I don't want to do that right now. All I want to do is be in my darkness. Everything else that keeps me away from it. Yeah, I hear that. <laughs> well, it's a respite, you know, from the green screen. Yeah. Oh, they're not green anymore. Yeah, that's that's green. right. <laughs> All right. So, awesome. you okay with this? Everything uh, cool? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Is there, is there anything that, I mean, you know, I try to follow your recipe for my garden. Mm hmm. And uh, or for my compost, I'm sorry. Right. And uh, you know, just shredded leaves, coffee grounds. Um, we don't drink tons of coffee, and I don't stop to get enough coffee grounds uh, to supplement the the uh, nitrogen in my pile. But I put a lot of uh, comfrey and and yarrow primarily in there to try to supplement that. But in your area, it would be okay. good if you could add a lot of. Uh, uh, a coffee, shredded coffee grounds. Yeah, try that one. Yeah. Oh, I'm shredded, man. All right, as spent coffee yeah, yeah. grounds. Uh, because you have such cold winters, um, you could use okay. the extra nitrogen nitrogen in there to keep the pile uh -huh. warm. Oh, and there's okay. an, uh, is it uh, is it a locked box or is it an open bin? Um, it's an it's an open bin. It's a uh, uh, heat treated. Uh, pallet wood that uh, put together and oh sure um, yeah that's an that's an old yeah. cop out design <clears throat> sure what i would su <laughs> yeah. what i would suggest then is you put a chimney in uh drive okay. a stake into the middle of the pile again this is for next year uh -huh. um and then okay. get some welded wire animal fencing and wrap it into a uh -huh. circle about the diameter of your leg drop that okay. over the stake and then assemble the contents around that. That'll draw air okay. down to the middle and bottom of the pile, and it'll heat up much better. And, and help me so not have to turn it quite as often. I have. <laughs> I stopped turning my compost pile when I was thirty. <laughs> oh, this is this sounds fantastic. I like it. Yeah, that's for chumps. <laughs> Work is for chumps. Working hard is for chumpsters. Yeah. Okay, hey, man. Can I ask you a question about white powdery mildew by chance? Just as far as like, is that something that could get into my compost? No, like, no. Uh, Powdery mildew is a condition that occurs um, on the plant during the season. It doesn't carry over. And if you're having okay, a lot right. of trouble with it, there's uh, try a 10% milk solution. If you have a sprayer, put, uh, yeah. put in uh -huh. some whole milk, yeah. one part milk to nine parts water, and spray it on it. Nobody knows why it works, right. but it seems to. Magic. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. As promised, it is time for the question of the week, which we're calling When Plants Kill Plants. Helen in New River, Arizona writes, I had a true light bulb moment when you were answering the listener from Australia who asked about composting eucalyptus leaves. For a few years, I tried growing several fruit trees near my two large eucalyptus trees and could not figure out why they would grow for a while and then just die. I've been gardening most of my adult life, and I feel like I'm pretty experienced, not to mention all I have learned from your show. Then I heard you say that eucalyptic trees are allopathic, and that light bulb flashed in my brain. Of course, that's what happened to my fruit trees. All 10 of them, each one costing quite a bit for these good quality trees with acceptable chilling hours for my location here in Arizona. 
Now I'm curious, what other plants are allopathic, and is there anything I can do about them? I live in the desert and have two huge eucalyptus trees growing happily on the west side of my house, thanks to my loving care and enough water. They are very important to me, as the blazing hot sun can reach 118 degrees on a summer afternoon, and the shade from these trees helps cool the house and keeps the cost of air conditioning down a bit. I would dig a house in the ground. (laughs) Now, before I lurch into attempting to answer this intriguing question, I should explain the concept of chilling hours. Most fruit trees and cane fruits like raspberries require a certain amount of cold weather to flower and produce fruit. The standard for this, quote, chilling is below 45 degrees Fahrenheit. Doesn't have to freeze, just below 45. Low chill fruits, which are especially bred for warm areas, can generally get by with around 300 hours of this kind of weather. I would go into more detail, but I might not ever come up for air. And that means it's bullet point time, cats and kittens. Let's begin with eucalyptus. Research has shown that due to their allopathic effect, eucalyptus trees quickly take over when they're introduced into an area with oak trees. Experiments using an aqueous solution of plant parts showed that, quote, eucalyptus water inhibited the growth of many important crop seeds as well, or just plain killed them outright. Black walnut, the poster child for allopathic plants. Every single part of the tree, leaves, fruit, bark, etc., inhibits or just kills a wide range of plants. Ah, but the roots contain the most of the active ingredient, juglone, and these roots typically have a spread three times the size of the canopy. As many gardeners know all too well, tomatoes and related crops are most severely effective. We move on to garlic mustard. The headline at nature.org tells it all, invasive, destructive, and edible. This common weed flies under most people's radar, but it is a very bad actor. Also known as poor man's garlic, hedge garlic, garlic root, and jack by the hedge, it has a garlicky smell when the leaves are crushed. Who's jack? It is a biennial, a plant that takes two years to produce flowers with small white blooms appearing the second spring. It takes down other plants in two ways. One, it spreads its seed earlier than native plants. It was brought here from Europe to be an erosion preventer, which turned out to be a really bad idea as it prevents the growth of the later blooming plants that actually do help prevent erosion. And two, its root system interferes with the fungal network underground that helps native trees and other plants thrive. Although technically edible, you must, as with pokeweed, harvest the young shoots before they build up toxins. In this case, cyanide. What what a charming plant. Learn how to recognize it and pull it slowly out of wet ground before it flowers and sets seed. 
Experts say you will see positive results of such pulling within a year as all of those good plants get to come back. Sunflowers got your attention there, didn't we? Although people love feeding birds in the summer for human enjoyment, the result is a triple no-no. One, feeding seeds to birds in the summer is unnecessary and potentially damaging to the birds as they lose interest in the abundant natural resources they have relied upon for centuries and lose the food-finding instinct and the exercise it provides. Yeah, yeah, you like to watch the cute little birdies, don't you? Even if it leads to their extinction, your entertainment is not worth the loss of a single species. End of sermon. Two, spilled seed of any kind attracts mice, rats, voles, raccoons, rabbits, deer, and anything else you lure to your landscape with the promise of endless food. And to the point of today's topic, sunflower seed hulls are allopathic. Or haven't you noticed that nothing grows underneath your feeder? Birds need fresh water from you in the summer and suet in cages in the winter. That's it. And that's just a small sample of a very long list. Allopathy is an adaption that leads to a species' success. Inhibiting the growth or just plain killing other plants is an excellent way for that plant family to survive, and many plants have acquired this adaption. Always remember that the world outside our windows is Darwin, not Disney. It is a life and death struggle to survive every day, and it is not for us to change the odds by human interventions like feeding birds in the summer. Well, that sure was some good information about killer plants now, wasn't it? Luckily, you can read this important article over at your leisure or your leisure because the question of the week appears in print at the Gardens Alive website. Just click the link for the question of the week at our website, which is still and will forever be youbetyourgarden.org. Gardens Alive supports the You Bet Your Garden question of the week, and you will always, always find the latest question of the week at the Gardens Alive website, unless something goes wrong. Yikes, my producer is threatening to plant black walnuts in my tomato patch if I don't get out of this studio. We must be out of time. But you can call us anytime at 888-492-9444 or send us your email, your tired, your poor, your wretched refuse teeming towards our garden shore at ybyg at wlvt.org. Please include your location. You'll find all of this contact information, plus answers to hundreds of your garden questions. Audio of this show, video of this show, audio and video of recent shows, and links to our internationally renowned podcast. It's all at our Bursting at the Seams website, youbetyourgarden.org. You Bet Your Garden is a half-hour public television show, an hour-long public radio show and podcast all produced and delivered to you weekly by Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. 
Our radio show is distributed by PRX, the public radio exchange. You Bet Your Garden was created by Mike McGrath. Mike McGrath was created when he thought he had gained superpowers, challenged Dr. Doom to do battle, woke up in the microverse, and had to be rescued by Ant-Man. Ken Quitter plays our theme song. Our chief content officer is Yoni Greenbaum. Our angel of the airways is Christine Dempsey. Our engineer is cheerful Charlie Sarah. Our social media director is Norfleet. I mean, my own daughter, right? Her name is Amanda Norfleet. Oh, sorry, kid. Check out our fine work and send us your fascinating garden photos at the You Bet Your Garden Facebook page. Our new peerless princess of profound production is Teresa Radke. Our audio editor is the always lovely Jonas Bowen. Our video editor is Judicious Jake Boyer. Our harassed and harried director of direction is Javier Diaz. The usual gang of idiots includes the esteemed Eric Werner, Zach the Takwasneski, and Jolly Jake Morris. Why is our beloved CEO Tim Fallon like the White Rabbit. Because he's always late, late, late for a very important date. Plus, I caught him nibbling my lettuce last week. I'm your host, Mike McGrath, and I'll be outside shredding the leaves and soaking up the wonderful weather of autumn until I see you again next week. some holly or other plants with showy fall fruits growing outside? I'm Mike McGrath, and on the next thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden, we'll tell you how to safely harvest them and other holiday greens. Plus your fabulous phone calls. That's all on the next You Bet Your Garden. (laughs) 